For as long as I can remember, I have had a lifelong fascination with fog. It has been one of my most favorite weather phenomenons is to experience fog. I remember as a young woman watching the fog close into my childhood home and how magical it seemed when someone would just appear out of nowhere. I didn't know they were coming and they would just walk through the fog and appear like they hadn't been there just seconds before. And growing, and then as we got older and moved to other places around the country, my husband and I um, experiencing fog in the Eastern United States, the Northeastern United States, and then again in the Southern, the Southeastern United States. And, and it just, it held a certain amount of fear and a certain amount of magic, but I especially loved the fog in California when we lived there. And because so often you would wake up in the morning and just think, oh, it's going to be a gray and cloudy cold day. And, and sure enough, as the sun began to rise and the air began to warm, those clouds would begin to dispel. They would, they would climb back over the mountains, over the Santa Cruz mountains and, and disappear over into the ocean. And, and the sky would clear and the sun would shine and the day was new and we could see it was a totally different day than what I would wake up thinking it would be. Bobby Wynn, my next guest on the Wellness Restoration Project, talks about our pain and about how so many of us live in a state of emotional survival and how when we can finally get to a place where we're willing to touch that pain, to open, you know, take that box out that carries so much of the trauma and the worry and, and the hurt and open it and allow ourselves the opportunity to just feel it in a responsible way that it's like allowing the fog to dissipate and being able to see the sunshine for the first time. After the year that we've had collectively, I felt like this is one of those episodes, one of those interviews that has the capacity to bring peace and calm and clarity as you, as we step into 2021. And it's so interesting that, you know, just the strike of a clock and the change of a calendar can create this experience where we feel like there's a new opportunity and there's birth ahead of us and, and new starts. And we don't want to walk into 2021 with unrealistic expectations um, or beating us up, or beating ourselves up over the really hard things that we've all experienced in the last year. Hopefully we want to hold space for those things and love ourselves a little bit deeper and embrace that journey and recognize what we've learned and what we really want to take with us into the next year, into the next decade, uh, into the next part of our lives. I hope you really enjoy this interview as I have. Bobby is very real. She doesn't hold back. And I love that about her. And I think you will too. She is kind. She is gentle. She is funny and she's generous in her conversation and in her work. And if you haven't had the opportunity to learn from her, I, I'm excited to be the one to introduce you to her. So let's get going. 
Welcome to the Wellness Restoration Project, where we explore the question of how are you well? A collection of interviews and explorations of resources, both ancient and modern, to help you create your own powerful network and practices in wellness. I'm your integrative herbalist and host, Shelley Swap. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Restoration Podcast. I am so delighted today to introduce you to my guest. Her name is Bobby Wynn. She is a life coach that specializes in emotional well-being. Um, if you've had the privilege of watching her Instagram and her Instagram stories, you'll know that she takes this work very seriously and has a lot of wisdom and life bring to this work. Um, Bobby loves to learn. She is still learning. I loved watching her figure out how to remodel her kitchen over social media this year um, and all the fun things that she's doing with meditation and learning to incorporate new things into her life. She is a wife. She is a mother. She is a grandmother and she is a friend. So Bobby, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about how you became a life coach? Do you mind starting there? No, this is a loaded question. And I told <laughs> you earlier, I told you earlier that I was up at three in the morning thinking about today. And the reason is because I knew you would ask that question. And I was trying to figure out how do I give her the cliff notes version of answer because my entire life this sounds so melodramatic, but my entire life has led me to this point that I am at right now. And, you know, I was, th in fact, I got up at three in the morning to write this, to write this down because who knows, maybe it'll be the title of a book someday, but my life has been an epic journey of emotional survival from the time I was a little tiny girl until now. And I think if I were going to put it in the Cliff Notes version, because we do not have time <laughs> for <laughs> all the crap that's gotten me. Can I say crap on your podcast? Yes, yes you can. <laughs> Thank you. All the crap that's gotten me to this point in my life. Now, there's, we don't have enough time. But if, So if I were to do the Cliff Notes, I would say I had a really rough childhood a, I would say, traumatic childhood in a lot of ways. And I don't really like to talk about it in big forms like this because I feel like I would be throwing my family under the bus. You know what I mean? And when you come from a really dysfunctional background and dysfunctional family, it's nobody's fault. You know, everybody is just doing the best they can. And I survived, you know, we survived. My mom was bipolar back in the 60s before it was even called bipolar. It was manic depression then, you know, and my dad was, I used to call him a scoundrel. Now I'm, now I'm, now I understand he probably has some pretty good ADHD and a very uh, healthy dose of anxiety <laughs> disorder, you know. It was really, it, it was rough. My dad left us when 
I was 12. My sisters are a lot older than me, so they were married. So he left me with my mom to take care of my bipolar mom when I was 12. And so at 12, I became my mom's mom, you know, and my sisters were around. This is why I don't like to talk about it too much because I don't want it to sound like my sisters didn't help. They took her to the doctor. They, when she was in the hospital, I lived with them, you know, but I had to grow up really fast and it was just really rough. There were times when I was hungry enough to eat baby aspirins, you know, and I didn't ever tell my sisters that because I didn't know it wasn't okay. You know, I just, I didn't know. But I began when I was about in ninth grade, I picked up my first, my first self-help book, which was I'm okay, you're okay. And I was hooked on the brain in ninth grade. And yeah, and Mr. Vandenacker, my high school psychology teacher at Granger High, kind of fed more into me. And as life went on, I, my goal was to become a, a social worker. No one in my family had ever gone to college, so I didn't know how I was going to do it. And we were so poor, I really didn't know how I was going to do it, but that was what I wanted to do. So you know, that was kind of the beginning of it all. And my mom died when I was 23. And the day of her funeral was the first day I ever spoke on the phone to my husband. He wasn't my husband, obviously, at the time. (laughs) But um, so it was so interesting how that very traumatic, early part of my life instantly turned off. And I did not process any of it. And I went into this new life with my husband who wanted to be a doctor. I mean, I came from such a poor, like we lived in government housing and that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to be okay now. You know, I, I did not process any of my childhood and I went straight into this marriage. And, and my goal was to create a life that I didn't have as a child and to create a life for my children I didn't have as a child. And I just dove headlong into creating this, I call it my fake life period, (laughs) creating this fake life that I thought it was supposed to, you know, this like dream life, you know, the house with the white picket fence and my, I made matching dresses for my daughters and all this, you know what I mean? This fake life, it just, and I never processed anything. And, and then life just kept happening and happening And, you know, my husband's had a couple of transplants and we were infertile and we adopted. And then the teenage years happened. And when uh, our oldest son was probably about 14 on my lens, our bubble exploded and life came at us so fast. So many hard things and tragic things. And I never processed, you know, I did not process. At one point in there somewhere, I did go to therapy and did a little bit of processing, but not much. But I kept reading and studying and looking at research. And so I was basically my own therapist, you know, and figuring myself out. And uh, then about 10 years ago, just had the most awful experience. One of our daughter's uh, friends was raped and murdered like just a couple of blocks from our home. My daughter came home from school, a mess. She broke that day and I broke that day. I had to hold it together for about a week. 
because I had to hold it together for her so she could break first. <laughs> but at that point, I had about a two-week panic attack, and I'd never experienced anything like it before. All the trauma of my entire life, I was basically kind of catatonic. I couldn't move. I couldn't function. I'd get up, walk to the kitchen, do what I had to do, and my heart pounding. My, you know, it, it was awful. I thought I was going to die. I thought my sweet husband was going to have to put me in the hospital or something. It was bad. And after that episode, which was about two weeks, it was the beginning of renewal for me. The beginning of renewal. I had to break apart in order to be put back together. And so I spent several years. I went to therapy um, and I did my own therapy. I am my own best friend and my own therapist. And I worked through it. I learned tools and so much. And after, I don't know, five-ish years or so, I was like, I need to share this. I need to help other people because I know I'm not the only one that experiences these things. And we don't have to hold it all inside, you know? So that's when I decided to become a life coach. And yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> wow. Bobby, that is quite a story. Oh, I know. And that's the cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, no wonder you got up early in order to condense all that. You didn't um, get the gory details. <laughs> I want to kind of hold space for just a minute for our listeners and for you in kind of taking a second to take all that in. And then just, I love how you describe that you, that you had to break and then in order to be put back together in a, in a much, much different and much healthier way. I, I don't think that it's uncommon for us to experience trauma and not deal with it? Not at all. It is the most common thing. The most common thing we do is not deal with our trauma. All of us. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you have any insight? Oh boy. For a lot of reasons. There's, there's uh, cultural reasons, you know, there are generational reasons. You and I talked about the generation just older than me. I'm not quite a baby boomer. You know, generations just older than me were taught you do not talk about the hard things in your life and, you know, just, t you know, tough it up. And I think we, because we're embarrassed, mostly, you know, what I think we do is we, I think subconsciously, in fact, I know subconsciously, our sweet subconscious, its whole job is to protect us, you know, and it protects us by putting those things in a place that we can't reach until we're ready to reach it, you know, until we're capable of processing. And even still, I've processed so much and done so much self-work and still often with my clients, I say, we all have little boxes inside our hearts and they're taped up. And some of them are like double taped up with really strong duct tape. <laughs> and some we don't even know we're there. And what we have to do is we have to be okay with taking the tape off of just one box 
letting a little bit of something out and then closing it up real fast and taping it back up because we can't deal with it all at once, you know? And I think that's really a lot of the reason why our subconscious protects us from having to deal with things we're not ready to deal with yet. It, it makes perfect sense because just, just like you explained in your story, how when sometimes that too many pieces break at once, yeah. you can't function. Mm-mm. You can't no, function. No. And you have we, to fall apart. Yeah. And we live in a world where that is, there just isn't space for that. Mm-mm. And we under, I mean, you understand we have kids to take care of and yeah. you got to put food on the table and, and you, there's a lot of pieces that are required just by living that make it really hard to just stop and fall apart. Right. And then we live in this world where we glorify being put together. (laughs) You know, I might, you know, because you follow me on Instagram, there's not a fake bone in my body. I refuse to be fake and phony. And so I get on my stories and I talk to people and, and I refuse to let you think I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm a mess just like you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Because that's what we all need to hear, right? And that's a big part of it is we put so much, we just glorify being put together. And newsflash, there's not a soul of us, single one of us, <laughs> that is put together. We're all a mess. I think there is, I understand. I, I think from where I'm standing at this point in my life, I can understand why we do it. That oh, maybe sure. if we can appear to have it together then Mm -hmm. then hopefully the other pieces that we can't control will fall in line with that appearance you know like like we control what we can control and then because we don't know how to control other things and I so in in relation to what I do and this is why Bobby and I have become colleagues and friends is the work we do is very similar she does the work emotional work I when it comes to herbal medicine, really the very first place that I have to go with people is replenishing, is to get in there and all those pieces that we have not taken care of for so long, whether it's nutrient deficiencies or even just dehydration or different things, fluids, vital things in the body have to be replaced before we can start doing the work to give people their energy back, to give them their health back and all those things. And yet so often we are focused on things like weight loss and keeping our hair from falling out, which I understand, like, but, but we, we try to attack it from the outside, just like we do with a lot of the emotional things. If we can just make our family look like it's like, I didn't come from a traumatic background, you know? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, and how important it is that we have to do all of this work at the same time. Yeah. It's, it correlates perfectly what you do and what I do. It's exactly the same. It's just one's with the physical body and one is with the emotional body. And I'm, I'm learning that there are even more pieces of healing that it, you know, there are spiritual pieces, there are financial pieces, there are, there are so many pieces of this work that um, need to be happening together. Maybe, yeah. maybe we focus on one at a time. 
that for sure because we can't do it all at once that's you know we and we have to be okay with that you know it's it's going back to the box thing that I was talking about earlier I will tell my clients often it is totally okay for you to let one thing out of that little hidden box to work on tape it back up put it back in your heart and say to the box box I know you're there I honor you. I'm not going to forget you. I promise, but I can't do all of it at once. So let me work on this piece and I promise I'll get back to you. You know, that's how we be sweet to our heart. And it's the same way with all these other things, the financial side of us, the spiritual side of us, we can't do it all at once, you know, and it's okay if we say, hey, spiritual side, just be quiet for just a sec because I've got to work on this. I know you're there. I'm not forgetting you. You're really important to me. I have to do this and I'm still there for you. And then, you know, yeah, we have to juggle. We can't be superhuman with all the things all at once. I love that. And that is, that is such the message that I think we are striving to make more normal than... <laughs> than it yeah. has been. <laughs> yes, we have to normalize not being able to do it all. None of us can. So do you, I love this concept of kind of taking one thing out of the box, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit of the decluttering of our hearts. Yeah. Do you mind kind of going there a little bit with us, helping those who maybe are going now, how would you, how would you even do that? Because maybe they have so much that yeah. they don't even know where to start. Is that, is that something you can give us sure. a turn on? Yeah. So, you know, I think the very first and main thing is we're all too afraid to go there. I hear this from client after client after client. Oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to see what I've pushed down to the very bottom. And because we're scared, right? We're afraid it's going to hurt. And the truth is it is going to hurt. You know, and, and that's okay. The fear of that hurt is a lot worse than the actual hurt. You know, the being so afraid of touching our old stuff, that's the most painful part of all. Actually touching it hurts for a minute. And by a minute, I mean a week or maybe a year, you know, depending on what it is. But it doesn't hurt forever. Once we touch it and bring it up, it's exciting. To me, it is the most exciting thing to watch somebody grab a pain and start to play with it. And I use that word a lot in my coaching. Let's play with this. It's not work. It's play. Let's get curious and let's play with it because you're in charge of the pain. The pain's not in charge of you. And so the first thing is helping them not be afraid to touch a little pain. It won't kill us. We think it might, but it won't. But not touching it very well could. And you know that physically because we've talked about that. But, and then after that, I think I just help them know that it's okay to have stuff stuffed down in your heart. It's just okay. We, because I think there's this, misconception that if we go there everything will fly out and we'll lose it and if everything did fly out we will lose it that's what happened to me for those two weeks where I was like 
basically catatonic. Everything flew out and I had to gently repack it. And you know, the key is being sweet and loving with ourselves and our hearts and treating ourselves the way maybe that little girl inside of us should have been treated or would have been more helpful to be treated, you know, and I love to help people learn to reparent themselves in that way, you know, and talk to themselves in that way of, yeah, I, I talk to my heart like that. I truly do, you know, okay, I know you're in there and I, I know you're there. I haven't forgotten you. And by doing that, we take control of our emotions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's absolutely. Does that make beautiful. sense? Yeah, it does. I say I say it all the time, and in fact, if any of my clients are listening, they're like, mm, "Classic Bobby," because <laughs> I say it all the time. I tell them to talk to themselves. You know, you talk to yourself like you are that little girl who needs to be told, "You're okay. You can do this. We're going to get through this." And reparent ourselves and we do that by being sweet with ourselves and knowing that the fear of touching pain is worse than actually touching it i love that and i so there's a concept have we have we talked about this there's a concept in chinese medicine where it, there's three treasures and there's qi and there's jing and there's shen and okay. and jing is what we're born with it's like a candle it's like the way, you know, it's, it's the pieces that showed up when you were made, right? Our genetic okay. health, our, all of the, the pieces that make us who we are, that we really don't have a lot of say in, you know, yeah. I, I was our born personality. With, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Born with blue eyes. You're going to be six feet or you're going to be five feet or you, you know, all those pieces. It's, it's your gene. Okay. And it's also your life force. It's like how long you're going to be able to live. And some of that is just there. There isn't a lot you can do to it. Right. Like we're all going to age. <laughs> Those yeah. kind of things. Yep, we are. And, and then there's chi. And that is, that is a, a, a lot of different things. It's the food we eat. It's, it's the air we breathe. It's, it's the things that we actually have control over that can determine how quickly the candle burns. Okay. Are yeah. we, are we caring for it? Are we, or are we just burning it? from both ends, you know, as yes, fast as we yes. can and not, exactly. not taking care of it. <laughs> and, um, and then there's this concept of Shen. And Shen is the most important treasure. And it represents the, the flame and the light that we put out to the world around us, to the room that, that we get to, to inhabit in the, in the, the world. Um, and that Shen is deeply, deeply influenced by things like what you're talking about. We have some really sweet herbs that we used it that are known as Shen herbs that help with anxiety and depression and those types of things. But ultimately, in all of the traditions, whether we're talking Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine has something similar, Western herbalism, Native American herbalism, they all have concepts that are similar where they mm -hmm. recognize that peace, that light that comes from the heart where we keep all those emotions is absolutely the most treasured part of our existence and 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 the food we eat and the genetic genetics we're born with and all those things 
are pieces of it, but taking care of that heart, like you're talking about being sweet to it and, and packaging the, 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 all the burdens and all the, the things that we carry that, that keep us from shining that light are as essential as the food we eat. It's just such a true concept. I am sitting here. You can see me shaking my head <laughs> like I am so on board with this. Okay, let's go back to that two weeks where I had my, it wasn't a little panic attack, where I lost it. Here's what, this is so crazy, Shelly. Here's what got me through that. I decided I, it was just dark. It was awful. It was awful. I can't even put words to it. And what got me through it is this mantra. And I said it over and over and over again for two weeks. And I, I said it this morning to myself, I am light. I am love. I am peace. And during the, that's my mantra. And during those two weeks, this is not an exaggeration in my head, sometimes out loud, if nobody was around, but in my head, it would literally be this fast. I am light. I am love. I am peace. I am light. I am love. I am peace. I am light. I am love. I am peace. That's what got me through the beginning of that, where I literally thought, crap, they're going to have to put me in a hospital. I am light. I am love. I am peace. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And I think I, yeah, I think there are a lot of people that will hear this and they will, they can recognize that as well as truth that, that when we get into those dark places, I know, um, I, I certainly have been there myself. I'm sure. And, yeah. and those moments and days where you just don't even know if you can get up. <laughs> oh, I remember waking up some mornings and my first thought was, oh crap, I'm still here. You know, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, laugh. Humor is, <laughs> laugh humor or cry, is right? the best medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that new book um, by Emily and Amelia Nagowski, Burnout. Yes. It's, yes. I love how they're describing emotions and the tunnels that we need to go through and and that we need to complete those cycles. And I, I believe they talk about laughter as one of those really important ways to yes. complete a I cycle. I am studying that book right now. I it is good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many good ones out there. But that one just jumped to the top of my list. I can't put it down. So yeah, I love fun. it. So Bobby, what what is next then? What is next after you start to kind of see some of these pieces and unpack them. What's next? Well, one of the things that's really important for me with my clients is that they understand they're in charge. I'm not in charge. They already have inside themselves everything they need to figure this thing out, whatever this thing is. I've got nothing. In fact, I say that to every single client. I've got nothing for you. You've got it all. And my job is to sit here and hold space with you and listen as you unravel it and ask questions to help you figure out the answer to move from point A to point B. 
you know, and I mean, that's what a life coach is. I'm not a therapist. I will send clients to a therapist or a psychiatrist if they need to. I'm not a therapist, but I know how to hold space with them and help them figure out how to move from point A to point B. You know, it's kind of like, it's like unraveling Christmas lights that are a mess, you know, all tangled up. And we just sit and take the time to untangle one little knot at a time. We not worry about what's all knotted up in the middle, but just whatever the next little knot is, you know. And sometimes the most important thing any of us need is a unbiased, non-emotionally attached third party who has zero judgment about whatever's happening in your life to just spew it all out with. And then they help us wrap it back up in a way that makes sense so that we can move forward. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I often tell my clients as well, back in the day when they could come to my office, now we do it all this way, but we would sit in my office and I'd sit across from them and I'd say, when I look at you right now, you are in a bubble of fog. You cannot see out of your bubble, right? It's, it's just messy and confusing and you can't see past whatever this thing is. But I'm sitting here just three feet from you and like I can look out the window and I see the mountains and a bird's flying, but I can see like 50, 60 miles away from my window life's happening everything's okay but you can't see it because you're in that bubble and so as we sit here and we share space every time we meet that fog's going to lighten and lighten and lessen and pretty soon you'll be able to see out of the bubble and eventually hopefully that bubble will pop you know and you'll be able to be like i'm free you know and and it happens every time <laughs> it does. I love it. It's the it's the most exciting thing, and I don't do anything. They do it all. They figure it. I mean, I do stuff, obviously, but <laughs> they figure it out, and I get to watch it. It's awesome. It. I. I feel like that is the privilege of women. Yes, and sisterhood in so many ways, and that. I, because as I'm listening to you describe that, I have walked through that same thing with so many clients. And I especially think of those young moms, those young first time moms, as they enter into what we lovingly call the fourth trimester. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Like yes. this beautiful baby. And, oh. and now you know, they come home and, and, and it, all the women that they know how, who have children, they think they have like it looks so easy or at yes. least like doable, you know, yes. <laughs> and all of a sudden you have no sleep and your body is totally different and your hormones are doing all sorts of wackadoo things. And you're trying to figure out how to, how to breastfeed and, oh. and you, and you don't feel good. And, and, yes. and life hasn't stopped. Like there's still like other things. Oh, I remember my daughter, when my daughter's first baby was born, there was an air of anger in her voice. She was like, you didn't tell me this, mom. Why didn't you tell me? And I don't know why I didn't, or maybe you just have to experience it. You know, I'm sure I said, you know, it's not easy, but 
until you experience it, you don't right. know what that means. Well, and how do you describe it to people? And so yeah. oftentimes just being able to be the one who can hold space for them and say, yeah, you're right. It's really, really hard. No, yeah. you probably have never worked 24 hours a day like you are right now. Yeah. And it, it takes, it, it will be okay. And yes, and it's normal. okay that it's not okay right yes. now. This is yeah. totally normal that it's, that it's hard and excruciating and you will get through it and there will be light again. And you, you know, like it's it. I, and we'll be here. We will be here to, to give you some, some guidance and to be okay. If you decide not to take that guidance, <laughs> like yeah. yep. you get, it, it's just, it's, it's sweet to hear you repeating that same pattern. What in what sounds like instead of giving birth to another child, but giving birth to a, a freer and more whole person. Oh, I can't even touch. That's why I say the pain of being afraid of touching our pain is so much worse than the pain of actually getting it out and playing with it. It's so freeing. I cannot tell you as, I mean, I've got stuff still to work through. Of course I do, you know. I hope I keep working through all those things that are buried till the day I die because it's the process that's important. But, oh, my word, it is so freeing to get that stuff out that we're afraid of and just deal with it, you know, work through it and show it who's boss, you know. I'm boss of you, and I love you. You know, I love and And I love you. You make me crazy and you hurt me but I love you because you're part of me you know there's that self-empathy that we really can practice having um with our emotional selves you know instead of beating our emotional selves up you know yeah I have a oh go ahead I was gonna say I think some of the most compassionate women I know and, and I would say probably for men too, but I'm the, the ones that are coming to mind right now are women, are mm-hmm. women who have walked through that incredible yes. heartache and pain yes, and have found a way to become whole and now are turning around and offering that same, like they can see clearly that yep. so many of us have gotten to hard places honestly. Yes. Not on purpose, not trying to hurt, not trying to, to be destructive in any way or to be, Yes. Uh, but, but have gotten there honestly. And then when they start to see the mess for what it is yep. and how painful it is to get out of it, they just have been able to like, they just being able, like you said, to just be standing in a different spot and having a bigger perspective, they yeah. can offer this incredible compassion. And I, I feel that from you oftentimes um, in your work, just that you can say, yeah, it's okay to be feeling like this, but yep. let's sit with it for a minute and figure out why instead of just yeah. react to it. <laughs> yeah, either, either reacting to it or, or shoving it down in. Both of those two things aren't the most healthy. They're very common and we all do it, including myself. You know, everybody does, but they aren't the most healthy. You know, the most healthy is just letting ourselves sit with it. And, and, you know, I use that phrase all the time. Um, we need to just sit with it. In fact, you know, what I do with my clients is 
there's this thing called we pendulate. We touch a hard thing until it's just, oh my gosh, I can't really do that. And then we have to pendulate back to the other side and put it away and not think about it and not deal with it. And then when we've, we've sort of healed our heart a little bit from having to touch it, we'll pendulate back and touch it again. And then we'll, and it's during that, I call it the sit with it period where we aren't working on the hard stuff. We're just kind of sitting with it and letting it be. That's when the real magic happens. I'll tell my clients after we have a session. Now, what I want you to do, they'll go through their, their bullet points of what they want to, you know, kind of what they got out of the session or where they want to go with it. And I'll always say, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to forget that for the next, put it down, you know, write it down, set it somewhere. And for the next two or three days, I don't want you to even think about this conversation. I mean, you will, but I don't want you to go to work trying to fix it. And da, 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 da. I want you to just let it go. And what you will find is the things that your subconscious doesn't, doesn't grasp onto will settle to the bottom and you'll forget about. And the things that you need to know and you need to work on right now will still be floating around your brain in three days. And those are the things you need to pay attention to right now. The things that settled, it's fine that they settled. It's fine that they're there. You can do something with them later if you want. But what stays active in your brain after three days or so, those are the things that you're ready to work on because your subconscious didn't pull them back down, you know? That is powerful. That's really powerful. That's why I always say, I mean, you know, on my Instagram, I will do a week about something in the world of emotional health. And then I don't even get on for the next week. And I call it my sit with it week. And during that week, I hope that people will just sit with what we talked about the week before and let it, let, you know, what stays bubbling up in their brain stay bubbling and what kind of just settles down to the bottom settles. I know it's so important to have, to not try to fix ourselves so fiercely, you know? Yeah. And I think that is a real thing that when we start to see the mess, we are so, we just so want it to go to be better that we want to get in and just, just blow it to pieces. Yeah. I actually learned that concept from one of our daughter's therapists who the, our daughter had a really traumatic experience and as in capital T trauma, you know, not like, Oh, I, a dog bit me and now I have dog trauma. Although I'm sure that's a real thing, you know, but it was capital T trauma. And we learned this from the therapist that worked her through this is we, in order to be okay, we have to pendulate, touch the pain and then back off and then touch the pain and then back off or we won't be okay. You know, and that's the same concept with the boxes, let something out and then put everything where it is safe and say, haven't forgot about you and then deal with that thing that you let out. I love it. I, I love it. And I can see how that relates a lot to the work that I do as well. And, and sometimes we just have to, we have to start in layers and say, okay, what's the most important thing right now? And let's start there. And then, and then, you know, 
be, be kind with yourself, be patient. It will take time. It took you a long time to get to this place and it's going to take us some time to unpack it, to rebuild it, to restore it, those types of things. So, yep. So Bobby, I, so we're going to give a little hint. Bobby and I have a little project that we're working on that'll be coming. We'll be, we'll be sharing more about it soon. And the thing that I am really excited about is it, it is embodies both of our work and it embodies this concept that is, that has been treasured in so many cultures for thousands of years and that we have lost here in the West, this idea that as we live our lives and um, move into these transitionary stages, especially as we, you know, those who are, who have raised children and the children begin to leave and become the adults that we, you know, raise them to be, <laughs> we want them to become adults, but then yeah. find ourselves in a funny spot of not quite knowing who we are anymore because our identity has been so wrapped up in caring for them or so wrapped up in being a young mom or a young person or a young woman. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in middle age and yep. And that beautiful transition is celebrated in so many other cultures as an entry point into the wisdom years where you get to take all of those years, those decades of learning and living and experience, and then turn around and become one of the teachers of those that you have stewardship over. And that requires both taking care of yourself physically as well as taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally. I feel like it's been such a gift to have Bobby to have met you. And I feel like you're just that guide that we need to just gently step into that next space and allow us to be able to turn around and offer that same beautiful compassion that we just spoke about to those that are still coming along the path. It's a time of life that nobody talks about. Remember how we talked about new mothers and they're like, why didn't you tell me? (laughs) Nobody, nobody talks about moving into the empty nest years. You know, those years before empty nest, during it, which, and then after, you know, nobody talks about it. And so everybody thinks they're an anomaly. They're the only one that is in turmoil over this transition. In fact, I mentioned, I think to you or somewhere, that I've got a daughter who is a birth doula. And she and I were on a hike a few weeks ago, and she was just asking me about empty nesting because our last child is, you know, 19, and he's like, see ya, although he still lives here. But, um, (laughs) you know, but, and I was just explaining, I was telling her what it's like to just that whole transition. And she was so cute. She said, you know what? There needs to be an empty nest doula to help mothers transition out the other side. And I thought, you sweet thing, there does need to be an empty nest doula. Because doulas help mothers transition into motherhood. Yeah. And holy cow, we need somebody to help us out. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. What a beautiful concept. What a beautiful, and of course she would, that was very sweet that she could see it both ways in the the place that she is in her world. 
and the, the work that she does. So, well, Bobby, is there any last thoughts that you would like to offer to anybody who might be maybe in one of those dark spots or maybe getting ready to enter one of those dark spots yeah. that you have, <laughs> that you have spoken of? If there's anything you would like to say to them before we close, I would love to, to hear it. I would. I think, first of all, if you are in that space, and if you're not, you're going to be. I mean, and you're going to be more than once because that's the whole point of life. But first of all, I just wish right now I could wrap my arms around you and just pat you like a mama and say, you are okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And you're normal. You are normal. You are not the only one. And you know, I wish I knew this before. Although then I wouldn't know it now, I guess, because I wouldn't have <laughs> I wouldn't have learned it. But I wish I knew, I had known that there is no end game. The process of life is the purpose of life. And we get that mixed up, you know, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, if I can be a good person, if I go to heaven, you know, and the end game isn't the purpose. The process is the purpose that gets us to wherever, you know, to a place of wholeness, you know, whatever that place of wholeness looks like, for you, you know? So yeah, the process is the purpose. That's what I would say. And you're normal. You're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you don't feel normal and you don't feel okay, you're in very good company. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the human existence, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Oh, Bobby, thank you so very much. I know people are going to want more of you. Where can they find you? So they can find me in one place (laughs) that that for now that is on instagram and it's about dot being dot whole so about being whole and that's what it's about about being whole and you can contact me there if you want um follow me it's you know we have a good time we i post stuff down in the feed but we have a lot of fun things going on up in stories and oh yeah yeah I love that world that you've created you've taken Instagram and said oh this is come welcome into my world and it it's you know a it's space. just it's a tiny little thing and it's just the like the front door of my business but it's fun you know and it's good it is it is fun and it's good I like the way you describe <laughs> that thank you so very much for joining me well, today thank and you, for being- Shelley just for being so willing to just share so openly and honestly, I think we will, we are all better for it. So I wish you a wonderful weekend and just let our listeners know that we, we have more for them. So this is the last time you'll hear from Bobby. (laughs) Yep. That's exciting. Take care. Take care too. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you're one step closer to moving those mountains. If you loved what you heard today, will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or take a moment and rate and review the podcast? The more five-star reviews a podcast gets, the more people it gets introduced to and the more mountains we move on the journey to restoring wellness. Thank you. Until next time, be well.